Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. This time, well, this isn't really a time. Uh, I'm sitting in a tiny ship in Antarctica, and uh, I'm going to talk about Antarctica. If you are new to this show or just giving it a try for the first time, this episode is weird. So why don't you go back 10 episodes or so and start there, and then this will make sense. I was not able to upload an episode last week because the internet down here, as you might imagine, is it's not great. So I'm just barely going to squeak by with this one. But let me tell you about my trip so far. And uh, wow, uh, there's so much to talk about. And I'm, uh, I don't have any notes. I'm just kind of riffing here. I just came back from an amazing expedition. We were sailing uh, up. Well, we weren't sailing. We were in... Zodiacs right up against the shore with thousands of Gen 2 penguins. They were all chattering at us and swimming with us as Antarctic cormorants flew overhead and there were skuas and Arctic petrels, or I guess they're called snow petrels. Uh, It's just amazing. The ice, the big, huge icebergs and the deep, deep blue colors. I mean, there's just nothing else like it. So to say that I am a fan of Antarctica is uh, putting it a little mildly. I've been all over the world. I've done expeditions in Africa, the Amazon, Galapagos, Hong Kong, the Mekong River. I mean, I have been a lot of places. Riding on a Zodiac in Antarctica beats them all. It is the best thing I've ever done, and I hope someday you get the chance to do it. But it comes at a price. So let's talk about just how much it takes to get down here. Now, it's going to cost you many thousands of dollars. About the cheapest way you can get down here, and this does not include airfare from the U.S., it's about $5,000. And for that, you're going to be on an expedition vessel, which is a little bit less comfortable than a cruise ship. Uh, They don't have dance halls and a lot of entertainment and several restaurants or any of that. But it's comfortable enough. And uh, honestly, I prefer it. And um, you're also going to have to cross the Drake Passage. And let's talk about that for a little bit. So when we left Ushuaia, which is the town at the southernmost point of South America, Cape Horn, in Tierra del Fuego... We spent two and a half days crossing the body of water between South America and the Antarctic Peninsula, which is called the Drake Passage. It was named after Sir Francis Drake because one of his ships got blown off course and ended up down there, and they were like, wow, hey, there's water here. Who knew? Anyway, that's the story. And our vessel, Ocean Nova, is an icebreaker. And it's a small icebreaker. It's only about 2,000 tons. And that makes it very, very good at dealing with coastal areas in Antarctica. We can, and have, just plied through ice and had icebergs bounce off the side of the ship. And it didn't matter, because that's what the ship was built for. But it's very slow, and it has no stabilizers. So we spent two and a half days in the Drake Passage, the most treacherous waters on Earth rolling and bobbing, and things were flying around the cabin, chairs were tipping over. Basically, anything you left on a table would be on the floor in just a few minutes. It was the roughest sailing I've ever done, and that includes the time I went through a hurricane on a cruise ship. It was something else. Afterwards, after we finally got to Antarctica, one of the guides said, So, how was the crossing? And we're like, Oh my god, oh, that's so terrible, blah blah. And he said, 
that was the easiest crossing he had ever done in the 30 times he had crossed. <laughs> so what we were thinking is just incredibly awful was actually the best it gets. And I'm wondering what the trip back is going to be like. But that's that's part of coming down here. Uh, it, it, it's an experience to cross the Drake. I watched waves lap up against the windows, and I am not on the bottom floor of this ship. It was really something, and our little boat just kind of kept on going, and then we got to Antarctica, and the sea smoothed out, and it has been just beautiful. Now, we're here early in the season. November is about the beginning of when people start coming down here, and of course, being in the southern hemisphere, November is spring. September 21st is the spring equinox, and after that, the days start getting longer, really, really long down here. The sun's been coming up about 3.45 a.m., and, uh, and it gets warmer. Now, warm. Well, one thing I've noticed on this trip is there are people from many different countries, but there are 38 Americans with us, and they're all from northern states. I haven't met anybody from Florida or Georgia or Arizona. They're all from Wisconsin or Colorado or Massachusetts. They're all folks who know that cold weather isn't anything to be afraid of. But you will be cold if you come down to Antarctica. We all have all the gear we were told to bring. We've got uh, thermal underwear and sturdy pants and then snow pants and parkas with layers underneath and hats. And we have gloves and most of us have mittens that go over the gloves. But when you're out on that Zodiac cruising around at 10, 12 knots and the wind blowing in your face, yeah, it's cold. But the thing is... You don't mind because you're surrounded by giant rocks and mountains and icebergs and penguins and sea lions, and it's, it's, it's just amazing. So if you're someone from a warmer climate, I would ask you to not be afraid of the cold. You can dress for it, and you can learn that being cold isn't as bad a thing as you might think. So the parts we're going into, we've been to several places now, and we've seen humpback whales and lots of penguins, like I said. But because we're early in the season, the big attraction is ice. And we're seeing all kinds of icebergs. And you may have an image in your mind of what an iceberg is. It's, it's kind of like a floating pyramid, and you may know that 89% of an iceberg is below the water, so it's much bigger. But what we're seeing is ice that has been shaped and sculpted by waves and wind. Every one of these things is a work of modern art that is just there for us. We're the only ones who are ever going to see this thing because it's going to melt in short term. In fact, we actually picked one up, a very, very small one, and brought it on board and we were looking at it. And the ice is clear and blue because it has been formed under pressure over thousands and tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of years. The blue cannot be described. It is so blue. Like, if you've ever been to the Caribbean and seen how blue the waters are there, this is more blue. And it seems to glow. And, well, it kind of does because the light gets through the iceberg and comes out the blue parts. But it's the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. It's just unbelievable. So typically the way the day goes is we get up for breakfast and then uh, we have a little bit of an announcement and then we go out on an expedition. We'll either go to shore or we'll ride around in the Zodiacs. Some of us will go out in kayaks, some of us will snowshoe, and then we come back for lunch and do it again somewhere else. 
And then in the evening, we have a briefing. And on the days when we were traveling the Drake, we had lectures about the different kinds of seabirds and how Antarctica was formed and all that kind of thing. So uh, it's, it's all about education on this trip. Entertainment is just happens. It's not something that's scheduled. I have met the greatest group of people here. They're from all over the world, all walks of life, but they all have one thing in common, which is they really want to be here, and they absolutely love it. Now, you might be thinking because we're on a ship that the average age is something between 90 and dead, but no, actually, I would say the average age on this ship is probably 32 or so. I'm definitely on the older end of things, though I'm not the oldest. It's a lot of young people, and they're energy and interest is is really rejuvenating. It's a lot of fun. It's hard to describe what it's like to be here. You can pull up Google Maps if you've downloaded the maps ahead of time, even without the internet, and you can see this little dot way at the bottom of the earth. And, and, and you're looking at a map that is not common. If you think about all the maps we normally see, even the ones on Google Maps, you see the US in the middle or sometimes Africa's in the middle. But Antarctica is just this like weird, craggy white strip at the bottom. But when you look at the map, when you're here, there's a shape. There's this round continent with this spike sticking up. And you see that dot on the spike, and that's you. You're there. And it really, really is like another planet. You hear that all the time. It's like another planet. And it is in so many ways. I mean, think about it. Think about all the sci-fi we watched as kids. What were other planets like? Well, there weren't very many people. Most of the people on the planets lived in bases that we constructed. They were mostly scientists. The animals were kind of weird. And if you went outside without a spacesuit, you died. That's pretty accurate about here, too. So it is another planet. Not only that, there's no government. There's no passport, there's no stamp, there's no visa. I didn't pay any fees to come here other than, you know, the passage. <laughs> yeah, it is the closest I will ever come to visiting another planet. And maybe if you're young enough, you will get a chance to walk on Mars someday. I think I'm beyond that point. But that's okay, because I got to come to Antarctica, and I really hope you can too. It is well worth it. Now, before I came to Antarctica, I spent a lot of time in Buenos Aires, and Buenos Aires is lovely. I, I really didn't have high expectations for it because it's a big city, and I'm not really a big city person, but we, we, me, I was the only one in my trip, um, I was in Palermo, which is a district, and Palermo is beautiful, and I also saw lots of vans. There are vans in Argentina. In fact, there were a lot of vans. So if you're thinking about doing some South American van life, Buenos Aires is definitely something to put on your list. It's also very inexpensive, especially if you're an American, because of this blue dollar thing where there's an exchange rate that's double the official exchange rate if you exchange $100 bills. It, just Google blue dollar Argentina and you can learn all about it. It looks like it's too good to be true, but I did it through Western Union. I just walked in and they gave me 300 to 1 when the normal exchange rate's 150 to 1. I don't get it, but I certainly took advantage of it. From Buenos Aires, I went down to Ushuaia, like I previously mentioned, and this is a town that was formed basically to be a prison colony and over the years has become the jumping off point for Antarctica. 
And it's touristy. It is a little bit different. Uh, it, you've got a lot of the normal tourist stuff, but it's tourism geared to either hiking in Patagonia or going to Antarctica. Lots of hostels, lots of fairly inexpensive hotels, lots of interesting foods. Ushuaia is a, is a great place to visit. And I met people there who had driven there from Washington State. <laughs> I met Emily from the Vandersons. And if you know, if you follow them on YouTube or Instagram, you know who they are. They spent four years driving to Ushuaia in their van with their cat and dog. I mean, absolutely amazing. And I only got to meet them because I was walking downtown in Ushuaia and their van went by and I saw the Washington license plate. I actually chased them down <laughs> to the parking lot I knew they'd be going to. And I got to meet Emily and her dad who had flown down to meet them. And their voyage is done. I'm not sure what they're going to do now, but they were super nice and I wish them the best. And I'm going to go back and watch all the episodes I missed because I want to see how they got down here. And again, you can do it too. Uh, you can get in your van right now and start driving down to Ushuaia, but uh, it's going to take a long time and you're going to have to figure out how to get across the Darien Gap because there is no road through that part. The Vandersons actually put their van in a cargo container, which took two weeks to get across there. So anyway, I know I'm just rambling. I just wanted to share a little bit of my experience while I'm actually in Antarctica. I will post a picture of what I'm seeing out the window of my cabin right now. It is not doctored in any way. There is literally a giant iceberg about 10 times the size of the ship right outside my window. That's what I'm seeing. That's what you can see if you decide that's a priority for you to come down here. Uh, if anyone is serious about wanting to come to Antarctica, please get in touch with me. I have some connections. I know a lot about all the different ships that come down here, and I can tell you how to do it. It is not cheap. There's no way to do it super cheap, but there are definitely ways to do it cheaper. <laughs> so I'm going to end this here. Thank you very much for listening. I will get back to the normal podcast as soon as I can, probably last week of November. But uh, at this point, I don't know what's going to happen because I just don't have the internet access to find out. I don't even know who won the elections in the U.S. And uh, I don't care because I am in Antarctica. I am on another planet just don't matter. Hope you're doing well. Talk to you later.